Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. I give a rat's ass about Twitter. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, did you have a good Christmas? Merry Christmas, my friend. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and everyone. Had a great Christmas. Got to hang out with some family. Got some things we needed. Got a whole bunch of baby stuff, onesies and some diapers and just a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to need in the near future. So it was a great Christmas. What about you? Did you so you got all the baby gear fired up for Christmas? It's, it's almost like a baby shower for your Christmas. A little bit, yeah, yeah, not quite to that extent because I mean there was still some things for my wife and I, but we definitely got a lot of stuff for the baby. And I think we are just gonna have to accept moving forward that like ninety five percent of Christmas gifts that we get are gonna be for our kids. But that's quite all right because we don't need anything. We're grown. If we want something, we just go get it. Yeah, and that'll that'll save you a lot of money in the long run, from what I hear. I mean, I don't have any children, but from what I hear, that'll that'll save you some money. No, I, I'm you know I'm an only child, so I just went over to my parents' house, just me and them. You know, we used to have big, you know, extended family get-togethers, but all the extended family has grown and had their own families, to where it's just it's hard to get everybody back together again. So I just hung out with the folks and and things of that nature. I actually went to uh, Lululemon today. Okay. Have you been to Lululemon? I have before? not. I have not. Well, it's, it's, they make great products. I used to be anti Lululemon, but I, I do love their uh, ABC pants and the pants that they wear. I wear now because now my job, Colby, I don't wear a suit to be on channel five anymore. I wear kind of like the casual business wear going on and I, I love the Lululemon pants. So I was there to drop off some that I got for Christmas for hemming. And it was like a scene out of Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was like everyone wanted a turbo man. It was like mass chaos, screaming men, women, and children everywhere. It was like the seventh circle of hell. So I feel like I've been to war today. You are really talking me into it. You know, I I wasn't going to go, but now that I know that it's an absolute war zone, maybe I'll stop by and, and try to pick something up. Well, just don't go on December 28th when everyone's right. got gift cards and getting hemming done and just buying everything in the store. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but I've uh, since recovered, I think, but uh, we're, we're gearing up for a huge bowl game. We got a lot to get into. We're going to do our mega, mega, mega Notre Dame OSU preview with our man, Caden McFarland from channel two up in Tulsa, diehard fighting Irish fan. We'll talk to him later in the week. And we're going to just kind of go, kind of go over some news and notes from, the bowl week preparations from Oklahoma state. But first let's hear from Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris university spirit.com. You know, curse of Cowboys is, is kind of Colby. It's becoming like the, I almost don't even want to say secondary logo for Oklahoma state. You got Mike Boynton rocking the curse of cowboy hat. You've got it on the helmet, most likely for the bowl game. You got Houston trying to reproduce the Curse of Cowboys today in their bowl game. Did you happen to see the Houston Cougars helmet today? I did. It's like if somebody took Oklahoma State's Curse of Helmets, made it a whole lot worse, and then put it on their head is what I thought. It was kind of like a half-assed cursive, and it wasn't well done. It wasn't outlined well. So go to Chris's. They'll hook you up with all the Curse of Cowboys gear that it seems OSU's pumping pretty hard. You know, Chris's has the latest and greatest of OSU apparel, and 
If you want some Cursive Cowboys polos, hats, be sure to stop by Chris's if you're in Stillwater and check out their website as well. We appreciate them sponsoring the pod and, and I'm all for it. And Colby, you, you tweeted out the kind of the poll results for uh, the, the helmet countdown that Oklahoma State's been doing. I mean, could Cursive Cowboys have beaten down Pistol Pete any harder? I mean, they, they hit Pistol Pete over the head with a steel chair. You almost feel bad for Pistol Pete because Pistol Pete essentially became like Kansas football as we determined what the best helmet was. Everybody's just like script, 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 cursive, cursive, cursive. Poor Pistol Pete's getting left out in the cold. So uh, I know nobody wants to do away with Pete, but man, those those helmets with the uh, the stripes down the middle, cursive cowboys on the sides, the black ones. I just, I don't really know how it gets better than that. It doesn't. And I think it, it kind of reiterates what, what I've always felt. And I feel like the mass of OSU's fan base feels the same way that, look, we all love Pistol Pete. We just don't want them on the helmet. You want to put them on the, the pant, you know, the hip logo, that's cool. But no one wants to see Pistol Pete on the helmet. I think that's been pretty unanimous. And hopefully they, they take that into consideration next year when they're, they're picking the uniforms. So that's our uni talk for this episode. Let's get into some football, Colby. You know, Mike Gundy said when they, when they were going to land in Arizona, he was going to figure out who the play caller was. And here we sit on Tuesday night. He's still not named a play caller for defense, but Joe Bob Clements did sit in as the sitting defensive coordinator for the press conferences today with the coordinators. And he had a lot of support from, from players alike. Um, what do you make of, of Joe Bob Clements as a potential defensive coordinator, coordinator candidate? And how much do you think the bowl game against Notre Dame will, will help him get the job? Yeah, I think all these practices as well as the bowl game itself will really be kind of a trial run and see what you think. And Look, he is getting a lot of support from players. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the guy because we see that a lot in college football where, you know, a coordinator leaves, a coach leaves, something like that happens. And then the players, you know, they kind of want to weigh in and give their two cents. But you, you don't hire a coach based on what your players say. You hire a coach based on who you've researched and you think is going to do the best job. Because the reality is if you get somebody who's good in that position, who can win games and who, who can do things like Jim Knowles did on that side of the ball, Guys are going to respect him, and guys are going to play for him. So uh, I do think that there's a lot of respect for Joe Bob Clements. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he was the guy, but I'm not ready to just pencil him in as the next Oklahoma State defensive coordinator. I think I, I still my guess would be that Gundy goes national and picks somebody out that we haven't really heard much of, but I could be wrong because, like you said, Joe Bob Clements does seem to be gaining some traction. He does, and I just feel like Mike – has talked a lot about loyalty and staying power to where I, I kind of think it's going to be Joe Bob. I, I really do. I mean, I think he's, he, for all intents and purposes, you know, Mike's talked about having two play callers, one for the one for like the D line and one for coverages. I don't, I don't think you're going to have two play callers in a bowl game on defense. I think Joe Bob's going to be calling the plays and, you know, he's very long tenured uh, seems to have paid his dues. I know we're coming off the hiring of, of Casey Dunn, which is, has been, you know, mixed reviews at best on Casey Dunn as offensive coordinator. But I just, you know, Mike's been having to replace coordinators more than just about any coach in the country. Granted, he's one of the longest tenure coaches himself to where he's had to do it more than others. But I, I think he might go with Joe Bob. One, I think Joe Bob's earned, earned a shot at it, Casey Dunn notwithstanding. But two, I, I think he's tired of, you know, cherry picking a Mike Yersich and him getting hired away, cherry picking Jim Knowles and getting hired away. And that's before we go back to, to coordinators of, of years past. So 
I kind of think it's Joe Bob's to lose at this point, and we'll have to see how he does as the coordinator in this bowl game for sure. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And I mean, it's a pretty good group of guys to have a tryout with when you talk about Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Christian Holmes, some of these guys who won't be there next year. It seems like they're all going to play in the bowl game. Uh, Oklahoma State even has a couple guys on defense actively in the portal who are going to play in the bowl game. So if you're going to have a trial run to see how good you are on that side of the ball, you might as well have every piece in place. And it's hard to argue against Oklahoma State having every piece in place on that side of the ball. That defense was just such an elite unit all year, a, a top three defense in the country, along with Georgia and Michigan. And, and those three, to me, are in no particular order. They're pretty much interchangeable whenever you talk about the best defenses in the country. So if this is, in fact, a trial run, I mean, what better group of guys uh, to try out for the biggest promotion and job of your life than one of the best defenses in the country? Yeah, Brock Martin was pretty vocal uh, in the process of Jim Knowles' contract extension to the point where I guess Mike Gundy's still giving him grief about Oh, she should offer Jim Knowles a blank check. But Brock Martin did say that that Joe Bob is basically calling the plays and that he could easily, quote, easily call the plays as defensive coordinator moving forward. So he has a lot of support internally, and I think that's something Mike Gundy will, will take into account. But you did mention a couple of guys in the portal that are available to play in the bowl game, which is not something that I don't think I've seen so far in, in college football, but uh, Tanner McAllister and Jaden Jernigan are in the portal, but Mike Gundy says, quote, they're here with us. They both practice great, and they'll be playing with us in the bowl game. They may stay. They may leave. Guys like to go places where they can be full-time starters, but we rotate a lot. So, Colby, I mean, two, you know, main contributors that when the news came out, they were entering the portal, I thought, hey, they're not going to be in the bowl game. That's two big losses for Oklahoma State, but it sure sounds like they're going to play in the bowl game. Yeah, it does. And I mean, I can see how it would be special to those guys because this has been a special season. So you want to finish it off. You want to be out there with your teammates one more time. But like you said, it is kind of weird because I don't know that we've seen somebody hop in the portal and then for the team that they're currently on. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know that we've seen that. So um, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. And if either one of these guys come back, because let's remember the portals a two way street. They're going out there to play in the Fiesta Bowl. We could see these guys back, so uh, I'll be very curious to see who stays and who leaves, and I'm assuming we'll know all that over the next few weeks as we get into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, um, just it's a huge game. I mentioned this in the last time we talked, Colby, just OSU needs to earn some national respect. And, you know, at first I was curious how motivated Notre Dame would be, you know, two of their – Two of them are all Americans. They're running back and their safety have opted out of this game. And I'm like, you know, how, how motivated is Notre Dame going to be in this game? But with new head coach, you know, Marcus Freeman, who these players just, if anybody watched the video when he was officially introduced to the team as, as a head coach, it's just, it's an awesome video. They're going to be ready to run through a brick wall for this guy. So I don't think there's any lack of motivation from Notre Dame's side. Uh, it appears everything's so far so good on the, on the COVID situation. You know, Mike Gundy says they're taking extra precautions, but Colby, just in terms of the national perspective that we discussed last time, I mean, Pat Jones, who we all know who Pat Jones is. He's one of the all-time winningest coaches in OSU history. He had OSU up to rank, you know, like third in the country at one point. He says this is the biggest game any OSU football players ever played, which I don't know. I, at first you take a step back. You're like, really? Out of all the games? I mean, it essentially is a meaningless exhibition because there's no championship on the line. 
I would probably say, you know, playing Oklahoma for a Big 12 title is bigger. Playing Baylor for a Big 12 title is probably bigger. But I don't know. Playing a national name brand like Notre Dame, it, it certainly is massive. How would you put it into, into context? Yeah, I love Pat. I really do. But I, I really disagree with that because there, there aren't stakes. I mean, the stakes are the Fiesta Bowl trophy, which is nice. It's nice to throw a Fiesta Bowl trophy in the trophy case. But it's not bigger than that game they played four weeks ago against OU. It's it's not bigger than that Big 12 championship game against Baylor that if they won, could have propelled them into the college football playoff. So, you know, Bowles meant a lot more to, to people in the era where Pat Jones coached. I mean, Bowles meant a lot in Pat Jones's era. They don't mean as much anymore, and, and there's reasons for that. Some of it good, some of it bad. But I, I think that Oklahoma State has certainly played some bigger games in conference, but I don't necessarily say that to downplay how big of a game this is against Notre Dame because Notre Dame is a big national brand with a an awesome new head coach that everybody's in love with I mean if you go out and put it to them in the Fiesta Bowl then all of a sudden that looks pretty good now they've got a couple of guys opting out so inevitably there will be national people talking about the Notre Dame players that were missing if in fact Oklahoma State does win this game but that's fine I'd, I'd rather be talking about uh, what it looks like with Oklahoma State winning this game against what's left of Notre Dame's roster than losing it. So um, I do think it's a big game, but I, I won't go as far as to say biggest game than any of these kids have played in. Yeah, I think that's a big much. And again, you know, they, they were just playing in a Big 12 championship game to get to the playoff. Like, I don't see how this game is bigger than that one, even though they're playing against, you know, the Golden Domers and, and things of that nature. And we're going to have Caden McFarlane on later in the week to discuss Notre Dame in more depth and the game in more depth. But how do, how do you feel about Notre Dame as a program, Colby? Because growing up, my dad my dad couldn't stand Notre Dame. And he kind of beat it into my head that, and he's right, that Notre Dame got undue privilege based on what they accomplished in the 40s, 50s, 70s, and 80s even. You know, when they formed the BCS, they had a special rule that didn't apply to anyone else but Notre Dame. They, they had special qualifications to get into BCS strictly because they were Notre Dame. And when they would do that, they would get their heads beat in. They would get into bowl games they didn't belong. I remember when they, they got just drummed by Oregon State and Chad Johnson back in the day in the Fiesta Bowl. Same bowl game they're playing Oklahoma State. But my, my tune has changed quite a bit about Notre Dame under the Brian Kelly regime. I know Brian Kelly's gone now. Marcus Freeman taking the reins from him. They strike me much more of a team that has NFL caliber players on both sides of the ball. They're not, they can't go toe to toe with Bama, but they're not out of place the way they used to be. So my tune is, has changed pretty dramatically on Notre Dame, just under the Brian Kelly. I think he's up their talent level to where they're not just riding the laurels of, you know, play like a champion today and Rudy and the, just the fact they're wearing a Notre Dame uniform. How do you feel about Notre Dame as a program? Yeah, I think the biggest problem that Notre Dame has as a program, and they've had it for 30 years since Lou Holtz was there, trying to convince them to get rid of it. Notre Dame has serious academic standards that just basically eliminate them from a whole bunch of big prospects because it's hard to get into Notre Dame, and they don't suspend that for football. Lou Holtz wanted them to. Lou Holtz asked them to, and they said, no, we're a university first. You go play your football. We've got standards. So it's tough for them to keep up all the way with Bama and Ohio State and Georgia, uh, some of these schools on the recruiting trail, but they're certainly in that next tier behind 
those teams, because like you said, they do have some built-in advantages of being Notre Dame. Uh, they do have the helmet logo. It's, it's a, a history-ridden place. Um, so I think the academics are the biggest problem for Notre Dame, but, I mean, all things considered, with what they have to deal with as far as school goes, I mean, they've done a really good job over the last 10, 11 years while Brian Kelly was there of elevating this program to probably the peak that it's going to be able to achieve uh, because I, I think that the academic standards are just too high for them to leapfrog Bama, Ohio State. Um, who else am I forgetting? Georgia, Clemson, um, even Oklahoma, I think, ha- had a better program than Notre Dame over the last 10 years. Um, they, they play a really cupcake schedule every year, Carson, especially since USC's been down. So I always find it hard to evaluate Notre Dame at the end of a season because it's like, man, they don't have a conference schedule. So it's not like they're playing these same teams that everybody else is playing with all these comps. The, the teams that are supposed to be good on their schedule, Stanford and USC out West, have both been terrible. So I think that they're just a, a pretty tough crew to judge. Yeah, you're, you're right. They, they don't play a conference schedule, but they kind of do now. Now that they're aligned with the ACC. Kinda. Yeah, kind of. So they do, they do still play, you know, USC and UCLA schools you mentioned. But then they're aligned with literally the worst Power Five conference in the country. Then eight, Who's worse, ACC or Pac-12? I mean, that's a pillow fight there. I mean, that's, but that's who they're aligned with. To where you're right, they, I mean, the the biggest notch on their resume was that they lost to Cincinnati, and that was their only loss. And again, that doesn't mean they beat anybody with a pulse. So I I really don't know how good Notre Dame is, and I'm sure Caden will give us more insight as to that. And certainly OSU, we'll have to see on Jalen Warren. He is practicing. We'll see how healthy he is. I think he's obviously a massive factor coming into this game. But one more note before I wanted to touch on uh, OSU hoops getting canceled again due to COVID was Colin Oliver got to speak to the media. You know, Mike Gundy has a, the freshman policy like most schools do where the freshmen don't talk to the media. He waived that for the bowl game. And, and Mike's done this a couple of times over the years. I was covering the 2014 Bedlam game that Mason Rudolph won in Norman. And we, we go to the media room going, great. We don't get to talk to the quarterback that just beat Oklahoma, one of the few quarterbacks in OSU history that can say that. Well, he waived it because Mason was basically like an NFL player in terms of speaking to the media already as a, as a freshman. He waived that, and we got to talk to Mason. Well, he waived that for, for Colin Oliver, who had, again, <clears throat> just an unbelievable debut season at Oklahoma State. Uh, 11 and a half sacks, uh, team best. He... Uh, on a team that led the nation in sacks. He's just the second player under Gundy to record double-digit sacks in a season, joining Emmanuel Ogba, who you tweeted about today, having an unbelievable season with the Miami Dolphins. But I thought this was interesting, a quote from Joe Bob Clements that I think just kind of illustrates the level of evaluation that Oklahoma State has. Again, they don't recruit in the top 25. They don't recruit in the top 20, let alone top 10. But they see things in guys that turn into all Big 12 and even freshman All-Americans in, in Colin Oliver's case. And this quote from Joe Bob stood out to me. He said, quote, I saw a maturity level in Colin when we had him at a youth camp before his junior year of high school. Before his junior year. By the end of camp, I had gone off script and I was trying to teach him things. We were teaching our own players. And he was picking it up at that moment. So I knew he was going to be a good football player in time. Did I anticipate that it happened this season? No. No, I didn't, but I'm glad it did. I think that speaks to the player we're dealing with, with Colin Oliver. And I think it, it speaks to Colby, just the level of evaluation that, that Mike Gunny and his staff have. 
Yeah, it does, because he's been unbelievably impressive in such a short time. And, you know, we talked about him a little bit this summer, and he was a guy that you were really high on coming in. But I, I'm always just a little skeptical about true freshmen getting enough playing time to show what they've got. But Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy have gotten better about that, about playing the young guys if the young guy's clearly the one who should be out there. And Colin Oliver was clearly the one who should have been out there. I mean, season may look differently if Colin Oliver doesn't suit up and ends up taking a red shirt because he made some huge plays in some huge times. And his freshman season was something that none of us really expected. And I can't wait to see what it looks like as a sophomore whenever you throw Trace Ford in on the other end of the line because that's just going to be an absolute nightmare for opposing offenses to game plan around and to deal with. So, again, whoever winds up the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, I mean, good for you because you've got Colin Oliver coming off one tackle and you've got Trace Ford coming off the other tackle. Doesn't get a whole lot better than that. No, it's, it's scary to think about. That, it's amazing to think about what this OSU defense was you can make a case coming into this year. Trace Ford was their best player on defense. Certainly Colby Harvell Peel would have an argument. Certainly Malcolm Rodriguez would definitely have an argument, but you think back to last year, like Trace Ford was making huge game changing plays game in and game out as, as a very young player. And they didn't even have him. And the fact that they didn't have him, they were still one of the best defenses in the entire country is truly remarkable. So, yeah, you put Oliver next to him, and hopefully Trace Ford's able to come back next year. But that's scary to think about. And, again, I think that, too, is a reason I think maybe Joe Bob will be retained because he's he's been in the system and, and knows these guys and has recruited these guys. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one more note before we before we get out of here, Colby. Uh, OSU basketball, they they couldn't play against USC because USC had too, too many COVID cases. Well, it appears now OSU has too many COVID cases because they're – Big 12 opener against Texas Tech was uh, was put on hold. So just it's the Omicron variant. We all know about it. It's it's kind of running rampant and it's affecting sports. And uh, OSU basketball is really feeling the wrath of it right now. Yeah, and I'm trying to look here and see when they're going to reslot this game in against Texas Tech. I think that's the one that they're throwing in on the 13th of January. Yeah, they'll play that on the 13th of January, which means that that week, Carson. Actually, let's start at the previous Tuesday. January 4th, you've got Kansas at home. January 8th, that Saturday, you've got Texas at home. And then listen to the week of January the 10th. That Tuesday on the 11th, you've got at West Virginia. Thursday, you're at Texas Tech. Saturday, you're at Baylor. Three games in a row. That comes off the heels of having to face Kansas and Texas to open your conference season. It is an absolute murderer's row for Oklahoma State to start the Big 12. And I don't know what the record looks like when those five games are done. It could easily be 0-5. It could be 2-3, and 3-2. and I have a hard time thinking that Oklahoma State could win four of those, but that schedule is going to be really daunting whenever Oklahoma State finally gets around to playing. Also, when they meet Kansas on January 4th, that will have been 17 days since they last played a basketball game. So uh, could be some, some rust to kick off the tires and stuff like that, but hopefully sooner rather than later, we're playing some basketball. I was very bummed, especially to see the USC game get canceled. That was going to be at the Paycom center, but what are you going to do? You just take all the precautions you can and hope at some point they get to take the floor. Yeah, that's, that's all you can do. And again, it's, you know, I was, I was really high on this team coming into the year and it's been a, a slow start to, uh, to this point. Uh, I mean, uh, in losing to Houston's no, no, you know, detriment to the team and the program, but I've been a little disappointed the way they've looked so far, but 
yeah, they're uh, they're gonna have to wait and see when they can can play that game again. And certainly, that's it's a gauntlet to start the year, which is nothing new in the Big Twelve. But I have confidence in Mike Boynton. His team typically plays better as the season goes along, but uh, it's been a it's been a slow start thus far. But uh, Colby, before we get out of here, I'm watching Texas Tech against Mississippi State. You know, Mike Leach is still suing Texas Tech. He still wants his two point six million from them. I thought he was going to try and score 100 points tonight, but he's trailing 10 to 7 to Tech. It's been a great bowl season so far. Houston knocked off Auburn, uh, another Big 12 school. Uh, the Big 12's looking so good so far, so good in the uh, the bowl season. The SEC's not. So, uh, you know, Bob Bowlesby's loving the new Big 12. He's got Cincinnati coming in. He's got Cincinnati. He's got Cincinnati and Houston. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a good start so far to bowl season for Bob Bowlesby. Yeah, it definitely has. It's again, you always take bowl games with a grain of salt because I mean, I didn't do a deep dive on who Florida did and didn't have out there. I didn't do a deep dive uh, on who Auburn did and didn't have out there. I don't oh, UCF. know. UCF. I forgot about UCF. Yes. Yeah, UCF took down Florida. Yeah. And, and an in-state rivalry between the best team in the state and Florida. So that's kind of fun. A uh, little flip-flop upside down world we're living in there, but take these things with a grain of salt. That being said, it's still pretty impressive that they're going out and beating some of these bigger SEC schools, you know that the athletes are are better, bigger, faster, stronger, but doesn't mean that those teams are better. So impressive from Houston and UCF. Uh, even Missouri fell to Army, which is kind of cool. I know that's not Big 12 related, but uh, enjoyed seeing Army beat Missouri, who's been an absolute train wreck since they left the Big 12. I don't, I don't even know that we can quantify, Carson, how big of a hit Missouri took competitively by going from the Big 12 to the SEC, because guess what? You're not recruiting the SEC to middle of Missouri. You're just not. That, that's become very obvious. So it doesn't necessarily break my heart to watch some former Big 12 schools who thought the grass was greener on the other side. Hey, you got a few extra dollars in your pocket. You can't spell dollars without L, and you're taking a bunch of them. Like, if you've ever been to a game in Columbia, Missouri, it's just it's not, a, it's not an SEC school. And I tweeted that before they uh, – or whenever they were losing to, to Army. It's like – they're an SEC school in name only. And I got some, of course, you know, the Mizzou Tigers, uh, a, lot of, a lot of journalists in that from that school came at me a little bit. And they have more SEC title game appearances than this school, that school, and this school. And, you know, three of the six schools they listed were in the West, which I'd like to see Missouri try to make an SEC title game playing in the SEC West against Alabama and company. So they, they basically, their first two years under Gary Pinkle, who obviously is a Hall of Fame coach, they basically won the Big 12 North because Florida was way down. Tennessee's been down. <laughs> I mean, Georgia was down at the time. So, I mean, props to them for making two SEC title games in a row when they first joined. But now that Gary Pinkle's not there, they've they've turned into what we all kind of think Missouri football is. They're just they're not a they're not a perennial power. They were not relevant in the Big 12. They won the North, which again, Colby, imagine if OSU had been in the Big 12 North all those years. Uh. They would have made the Big 12 title game every year. Yep. But, yeah, it, I mean, Kansas went to an Orange Bowl up in the Big yeah. 12 North. I mean, those old divisions, you had Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas all sitting there in the same division. Oh, and let's not forget, Texas Tech was really good for a while. Graham Harrell, Michael Crabtree, some of those guys. Texas Tech was really good in that South Division for a while as well. So uh, it's very different. But it, it just – when you change conferences, you never – can predict how every little thing is going to go. You just can't. And competitively, it's gone very poorly for Missouri. Now more teams are leaving the Big 12. Uh, look, I know Texas is paying all these old linemen $50,000, and they're getting better recruiting classes. 
I'll believe it when I see it with Texas. I'm, I'm kind of done playing that game. Uh, I think you and I, before the season, we both picked them like fifth in the conference, and that even was overshooting it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what's happened to Missouri, and I'll be very curious to see whether either of the other Big 12 schools face a similar test when they get to the SEC or if they are, they're able to get such better talent that they'll be able to be a little more competitive. I, I think there's still a lot of unknowns about how this is going to work out for OU and Texas and both conferences. Uh, the ringer asked what my favorite, or they tweeted out, what's your favorite sports moment of the year? I put the screen grab of Kansas scoring to beat Texas. That was my favorite sports moment of the year was, was Kansas once again, beating big, bad uh, Texas in, uh, <laughs> in Austin this time, not, not in Lawrence. So yeah, they're going to have a tough time going to the sec. Uh, one more question for you before we get out of here, Colby, we had two Ohio state players opt out of the Rose bowl. And I, I tweeted last week, bowl games have never been more irrelevant. And again, I got kind of ratioed a little bit of all these people that love bowl games and look, more college football, like college football is better than no college football. I agree with that. But when you got guys opting out of the Rose Bowl, it just tells you even further that unless you're in the playoff, these bowl games don't matter. So my question is, don't they have to go to an expanded playoff, whether it's 12 teams or maybe even eight? I think they're going to go to 12 before they go to eight. Like, don't you think, Colby, all these opt-outs are just proving even further that these are all meaningless exhibitions and in order to keep any TV interest at all, they have to go to a playoff or expanded playoff rather. Yeah, I think that they need to. And I think they will eventually. It's just right now. There are all the people making these decisions are 65 year old white guys who loved bowl games in their era because bowl games meant something in their era. Oh, and white folks love bowl games. Don't they love bowl games? And they don't want to devalue. That's what you always hear. Well, you don't want to devalue the regular season. The regular season is your expanded playoff. Well, no, it's not because if you don't have a helmet logo and you lose one time, you're out. If you do have a helmet logo, you lose two times, you're out. You know what devalues the regular season? When a team like Oklahoma State or Baylor or Texas Tech loses a game the second weekend in October, and they've been just all but eliminated from playoff contention unless just a crazy, ridiculous amount of dominoes fall, it would actually make the regular season more meaningful and more impactful if you expanded to 8 or to 12 because guess what? Now all these schools like Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, some of these schools out west, now they have a chance to lose and still get in so those games in November still mean something to so many more schools. So I've never really understood the argument that it'll devalue the regular season. I think it would do the exact opposite because more teams would be playing for the right to get into that playoff and it'd be more exciting for everybody. I do think that they go down that road at some point, but man, they're dragging their feet. I don't expect it to happen in the next couple of years. Oh, and that's, that's why I posed the question to you. You offered much needed perspective because I, I feel like it's a must, but you're right with the rigmarole, for lack of a better term, of the sport of college football. It might not happen as, as soon as it needs to. So, again, Fiesta Bowl rapidly approaching over the weekend into the new, into the new year, 2022. Hopefully 2022 is better than 2021 and 2020, Colby. But uh, we'll get back with you later in the week. We'll talk to our man, Caden McFarland, get some uh, Notre Dame perspective as we preview what is – Simply put, even though these bowl games have become more relevant by the day, I think this is a massive game for Oklahoma State in terms of national respect. So looking forward to it, and we'll, we'll catch up with you later in the week.
Yeah, this bowl game should actually mean something to both sides with the new coach on Notre Dame side and Oklahoma State wanting to have all their guys out there and win it. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking with Caden on Thursday evening. Get a little insight into Notre Dame. Everybody have a great bowl week. Go Pokes!